So this month our theme is strength. We know um, we've we've learned a few things about strength along the way, that its color is spring green, that nothing is quite as strong as spring insisting upon its arrival, that cold, hard ground, and spring just says life and life abundant. The apostle is Andrew. The location is the small of the back. And it is linked, as Noreen said, with this idea of faith. Faith and strength. And strength, we've learned, is this ability to endure, to stay the course, to be persistent, to persevere, to be stable. And we asked the children last week, one of the teachers did, I think it was Jessica, who may be here. Jessica asked the teacher last week, who is your superhero? So if it's a good enough question for the kids, it's a good enough question for you. (laughs) What little superhero lives inside of you? I asked this one time at a college in Philadelphia, and one of the kids said, you know, one of the 19-year-old, 20-year-olds said, I would like to be time shifter person so that the old could go back and revisit what it was like to be young for a day. And the young could go and see what it's like to be old because nothing interests young people more than what is it going to be like when I'm old, right? It's a great (laughs) mystery. It's a great mystery. And so this young woman from Swarthmore or whatever college she was from in Philadelphia, she said... I'd like to be time shifter person. What would you like to be? What would you like to be? This little person from our school, Jack, wants to be someone who brings light into the world. How about you? You want to be somebody who brings light into the world? This little person knows only what that superpower is. None of us adults get to figure out what that is, right? And that's okay, too. This person wants to be a great cook. This person wants nothing but hearts to be surrounded in her life and everyone else's. What about you? Would you like to be somebody who says, I'm just a heart walking around That is my superhero strength. That is what I do. That is what I bring. What superhero strength do you bring into the world? What do you think? Anyone? Any thoughts? Well, we talk about that a lot, right? Faith communities like this one, spiritual communities like this one. This is a place of transformation. So somebody wants to be a helper in the great transformation and the great change. What else? Anything else? Maybe love, right? Somebody else wants to have some hearts in their symbol for their superhero that lives inside them. Courage. What would it be like to go around, walking around, as courage superhero? 
You got it, and you just give it away to others. Here's a little courage for you. That wouldn't be such a bad superhero, right? No, I think so. Light, heart, courage, transformation, peace, compassion. What? Understanding. Man. Tolerance. Do I, are, am I alone? And when, when I get agitated, I, you know, I only get agitated every once in a while, but when I get agitated, <laughs> I just want to talk. I want to talk until somebody understands me. Talk, 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 talk. What is the superhero inside of me came out and said, uh, now it's time to listen. Now it's time to listen. Now it's time to sit down. Shut up. I had a teacher. I was telling Connie earlier. I mean, shut up in a loving way. You know I mean? Just, <laughs> just be, be still. Be still is the way to say it, the better way. Be still. I was telling Connie earlier that, um, that I had a teacher once in pastoral care. You know, uh, the, the course that prepares you to listen to people and, and sit with the dying and so on. Who, who said, uh, you know, if you sit down and be quiet, you'll learn something. And, and, and with, with the person who's suffering or hurting, you'll learn something about them if you can be quiet. If you sit down and really, really be quiet, you'll learn something about yourself. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, to, to tell you this morning um, about this couple in Warsaw. In the 1930s, they had control. They ran, they managed the Warsaw Zoo. And it was a very successful, very popular zoo in Europe, the middle of Warsaw. And as the Germans invaded Poland, that zoo, like the rest of Warsaw, was bombarded (coughs) with bombs and all kinds of things. And the zoo, which they were in control of, uh, was heavily damaged. It took a lot of damage and um, nearly destroyed. And the Germans, upon uh, capturing Warsaw, uh, took out most of the animals in that zoo. But Jan, the man, and uh, Zabinski, and his wife Antonina, uh, they were clever. They had a lot of strength. They had a lot of ability to persevere and endure. And they convinced the Germans to let them keep running that zoo. But they kept running it as a fur farm for clothes and a pig farm uh, for food. What the Germans did not know about Jan and Antonina was that they were helping Jewish people who were under attack and persecution survive and Polish resistors survive by housing them in the cages and the structures that had previously housed animals. And what they didn't know about Jan and Antonina was that in the house that they lived, sometimes there were 20 or 30 Jewish people in there being hid in the middle of Warsaw. And, you know, often when we hear stories like this, they saved 300 people over the course of those three or four years that they were involved in the resistance. 
they've been named righteous among the Gentiles, righteous among the nations by Yad Vashem. And this is the question we always have for ourselves, right? Would I have enough strength to do that? Would I have enough strength to save 300 Jews and Polish resistors in my house or in the zoo in front of me? I want to suggest that they didn't do it willy-nilly, that they used a couple of things that we can learn from. First, they, they used what they had, right? They, they didn't worry about things over there. They didn't worry about what they didn't have. They were like, we have a zoo. We have cages. We have houses. We'll use what's right in front of us. Strength is the discernment and the ability to understand that we don't have everything. We just have a little bit. We just have a little bit of the puzzle. And what we have is enough to do something. Right? So that's number one. Number two, Antonina. So, so this is all based on a book called The Zookeeper's Wife, written by Diane Ackerman. One of my favorite books ever. And um, Antonina was the housekeeper. Jan would go off and find people who um, would be uh, brought to the zoo and kept safe. But Antonina was at the zoo all the time. And she was the housekeeper, which meant that she managed all those people and she managed all those moving parts and got everything under control. Antonina, what's interesting about her was she was like an animal whisperer. You know what I'm talking about? Like she could, she could calm down animals, including humans. She just had this ability to just stay cool in the moment. And what she says is, well, she says two things. One, anybody would do what I did. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. It takes a lot of courage. Well, I'd like to think everybody would do what she did. But that's one thing. She says, I just did what I did and nothing more. But what was interesting about Antonina was that she was an orphan. She was an orphan. And so she took that experience of being an orphan. I might take that experience of being an orphan and become bitter or ashamed or sad. And she took it and transformed it. Whoever said transform over there transformed that sadness of being an orphan, an orphan and turned it into solidarity, turned it into compassion, turned it into the idea that she would not let any animal that was orphaned or human that was orphaned get away from her once they were in her sights. So in the house might be 20 Jewish people at some point, but there also might be a badger there might be a hamster. All these orphaned animals she took care of. The hamster, turns out, um, really liked the drink. It would go around and, and steal people's beer and stuff. So it was a drunken hamster. And, and the badger, um, there are these great photographs of the boy in that family, whose name was Rice, uh, Reese, I think. R-H-Y-S. Um, uh, Reese would walk the badger every day, like we walk our black lab, you know, or our Dodson. He'd walk the badger every day. And one time, Antonina went upstairs, and the badger was using Reese's um, bedpan in the proper way. 
I know. Um, so, when the humans came in, they would be assigned an animal name. So, one person might be pheasant, one person might be, you know, whatever. Because in case they got, you know, in, in case somebody overheard them, they'd be like, well, it's time to feed the pheasants. And people are like, oh, okay, it's time to feed the pheasants. Instead, little Reese, the little boy, would go out to one of the, one of the housing structures and feed whatever person was in there. It was code language. So, used what's right in front of them, turned the sorrow of being an orphan into um, solidarity. The third thing she did that I wanted to mention was that she really believed, as, as Crystal said, that one of the principles of this place is affirming the um, worth and dignity of every person. And what she would do when there were 20 Jewish people in her um, house, what she wanted to do more than anything was ensure that they had as much normality as possible. They'd stay for a week or 10 days, and then they would be sent back off um, to, uh, to others. But um, what, what, what she wanted more than anything was to give them as much normality as possible. So if she found out somebody played the piano, that person would play a piano concert for everybody. If she found out that um, somebody could tell stories, that person would do um, stories. She'd had these elaborate dinner parties. What she was trying to do was introduce as much worth and dignity into their lives, even though they were being hunted, even though they were being persecuted, even though they were under enormous stress. She wanted to bring as much normality into their lives as possible. So that's a little bit of the story of Jan and, um, and Antonina. What, um, what I love about the story is that if you think about it in terms of how many people were lost, 300 doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? But then if you think about 300 actual lives, actual family trees, actual contributions that they were able to make over time, that seems enormous, doesn't it? Yes. And so when we talk about strength, when we talk about faith and strength, it's the strength to do the bit that you can. It's the strength to do your little piece of it. It's the strength to do what you can with the circumstances you have. The Fillmore's talked about the fact that Everybody has within them this divine life, this divine beacon, this divine guide, and that we're all sort of walking around pieces of God. But we don't have to take on the whole burdens of the world. We can just take on the little piece that we have. And the idea that that divine life, which has faith and strength and wisdom and imagination and creativity and power, that that's accessible at all times, no matter what, um, is a really inspiring idea to me. I'll close with this little thought. This week, I worked at Penrose Hospital on, on uh, Nevada and Cascade Avenues downtown. And I, um, I, work, with, I work with people who are, who are hurting and suffering, and I sit with patients 
um, two or three times a, a week. And I was on a trauma pager this week, which meant that I had to deal with emergencies that came into the hospital. And right at lunchtime, I got a call to the emergency department. And I went down there, and there was a stroke. And this family was just so sad because their loved one was having a massive stroke. And the doctor was saying things like, well, if, if your loved one survives this, if your loved one survives this, we'll put him in hospice immediately. And so that was intense. And right as I got to that room, I got another stroke call. It was just going back and forth. And it was a very sad moment for me. It's a lot to, to handle, you know? And after it was done, after about 30 minutes of being with those two families and praying with them and sitting with them and listening to them and crying with them, I was beat. There was no strength in my personhood, you know? I was emotionally exhausted. And I thought, well, now what am I going to do? I couldn't leave the hospital. And um, so I remembered that there was a little uh, office that we have down in the basement of Penrose. We don't use it that often, maybe once a week. But in that office, there was a plant. And I remembered that plant. It just came to me like this. Go visit that plant. Go say hi to that plant. You know? It's got these beautiful leaves that go over the pot. You know, it just it goes on forever. It cascades over. And I just sat there. And I looked at that plant. And it had come to me as a gift, you know, from the Spirit. And I thought about that plant, how rooted it was, how grounded it was, how calm it was, how it didn't compare itself to other plants, right? <laughs> how didn't, it didn't say, oh, I wish I were a tulip, you know? <laughs> it just sat there in peace. And it, that peace, it gave me, it gave me its peace. From, it let me borrow its peace for a minute. Well, that's the story. Thank you for your time.